We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And we talked so much this season about the Lakers' lack of cohesion, right, as a result of the injuries that they suffered and the inability for guys to play together And we're going to talk a little bit about the Phoenix Clippers series. And I want to look at Phoenix in particular, how they're the opposite end of that spectrum, right? Is they haven't had Chris Paul, who's in some ways the head of the snake as a a ball handler. Although I think Devin Booker and campaign are showing that and DeAndre Ayton, they've got real hoopers on that team. Bridges as well. Guys playing together that when you have all of those reps, they're a team, Darius, where in the absence of Chris Paul, there's still everybody's reading and reacting off of each other in a way where Monty Williams really has them believing. They're on a wave, I call these, for teams. The 2001 Lakers are an example of an elite talent team that also catches a wave, right? And they've got all of this momentum with the cohesiveness. I'd love to hear your thoughts, man, as their nine-game winning streak for them on the Suns now that we see more and more of them. Yeah, I think that this speaks to a point that Mike has made throughout the season and you as well, right? That the the lack of injury throughout the course of the season is sort of showing itself now in the playoffs when this team, um, the Suns in particular, I think, are now dealing with something that I think a lot of other teams would struggle with. I, I think we're seeing some of that with the Clippers But the other thing is, too, is for the Suns specifically, I think, and I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts about this as well, is that the Suns still have quality guys who can approximate some of the skills that Chris Paul brings. Campaign killed it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Payne, Booker, these guys can run your offense. Booker's obviously ascending now as... You had talked earlier, Pete, during the playoffs about Donovan Mitchell and sort of if he's not a superstar yet, he is like on the doorstep. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think the same is true for Devin Booker in in a lot of ways. So 
I think that losing Paul definitely hurts, but the culture and the togetherness that has been established over the course of now 85 games or so, right? Approaching 90 games together as as a group, Mike, without facing really any real injuries or turmoil over the course of the season, the Suns are, are sort of like, like the tortoise and the hare, right? Like they just sort of kept chugging along this entire season and things have broken their way, I think, in some of the series in terms of injuries. But the level that they're playing to, I think, speaks to that point that Pete has been talking about in terms of togetherness. Yeah, togetherness and culture and all that. And I think that there are a few players in the league that are able to trans to translate something like that all by themselves. And I, I mean a few as in a very few and this is where Chris Paul, we just have to give him credit for what has evolved here in Phoenix. And, and Devin Booker gets a good share of that, too. And I, I actually thought I've liked Devin Booker, I think, a little bit earlier than uh, than than some in the context of he, he kind of got labeled in the, you know, good stats, bad team. What does it really mean? What what does this guy really have? But you had heard some veteran NBA players talk about him in a way that was a little bit different. So I, I don't want to take all of the credit and give it to Paul and not give it to Booker. That would be unfair. But the the mentality that Chris Paul has, we have plenty of evidence now. New Orleans, the Clippers, Oklahoma City, and now Phoenix. And it's he has an insane desire to win. That is the, the biggest thing. More so even than NBA players that have had to have some of that to get to the point where they had barring the ones, the exceptions of the guys that are talented, but even those guys that are talented, like there are a lot of guys that are talented and the ones that get to the NBA have to have some of that drive and some of that will most of the time, but Chris has more. He just does. And it's partly that will. And I think when players see that on a day-to-day basis, it does become a part of the fabric and that built for Phoenix. And we saw it build for the Lakers last year from the jump. LeBron brings a lot of that too, but in, in sort of a less demanding, less direct uh, way or I, I don't want to say less demanding because LeBron's demanding but it's just a like Chris can even get to the point where it looks like when you're watching him it can look nasty uh, but again not necessarily in a bad way as long as the right type of personality types are with him and it seems like that those guys are there in Phoenix and they've adopted a lot of that and so even without him playing you still see that nasty in the Suns. Mike a word I would use is abrasive. Chris Paul can be abrasive at times and his leadership style can grate on you if you're not a willing sort of um acceptor of that sort of critique and criticism like there are some people who see through or that stuff doesn't hit them the same right and i think some of that is personality um i think some of that is the point people are um in their career I think some of that is the individual status of the person who is receiving the criticism, right? There's a lot of sort of like personal dynamics stuff and and relationship dynamics that I think play into how that sort of level of leadership hits each individual guy. I don't know if you've seen the clip to your point, Darius, about where James Harden and Chris Paul, James Harden's on the bench, Chris Paul's standing up, it's during a timeout, and CP3, you know, reaches out his fist to dap him up, and and Harden, like, swats it away. It, it was such a, 
an up close and visceral it speaks to the idea that not everybody receives it the same way and part of that is like yo i'm james harden man like i'm one of the best players in the league and i think cp3 going to phoenix in particular they've been so bad for so long that's part of the reason their fans are acting a damn fool right now right is it they were terrible they weren't just bad they were when I was going to games and covering them, when Phoenix would come into town, they were the most depressing team to come into Staples, for me at least, right? It, there was no togetherness, no you know, uh, no sense of purpose. It was not really an NBA basketball team in a lot of ways in terms of approach. And that even goes toward other bad teams. Like they were, if you ask me to point out one team that stood out on the lower end, it was always Phoenix for a few years. And so in a lot of ways, that's prime real estate for Chris Paul to come into that type of situation where they haven't experienced any success. And you've got this guy who may not have won a championship, but he's done a lot in his career and they're, they are willing to listen. And so I think Chris Paul is the most important person on that team in terms of establishing a culture of getting everybody to believe, to compete every single moment and to focus on the details. Monty Williams plays into this too, right? Like there's, they've got tremendous leadership from Chris Paul to Monty Williams to James Jones, right? On three different levels of the organization, they've really got great leaders. And so that is why you see them able to row in the same direction the way that they do. The part that I push back on, though, a little bit, though, is I don't think Chris Paul is their most important player or even their second most important player, strictly on the court, right? He's the guy that's the leader that helps set the culture. But between Booker and Ayton, you got two problems, which isn't to say that Chris Paul can't still hoop. He can. But I think that part of what we've seen in this series is that campaign can absorb more of those pick and roll responsibilities. Devin Booker can absorb more ball handling responsibilities and make enough plays as a passer to win games. That said, both of these games have been very close. And because, again, the difference between the person and the player, I think losing Kawhi Leonard is a bigger loss in a short-term sense than losing a Chris Paul. And this this series has been pretty close. Phoenix won a, a, a couple of games at home, Mike, but I don't necessarily think this is over. We've seen the Clippers down down two, but unless Kawhi comes back, I think the, the Clippers are in tough shape. I think it's pretty much over because I think Chris Paul is going to come back and Kawhi is not. And mm-hmm. that is definitely enough of a difference for a series that I think was already trending. Even if it's narrow, the Suns were a little bit better. You know, they have a few more options than what the Clippers do, because especially with Morris banged up and the Clippers small ball lineup also doesn't seem to work as well against Aiden. And to kind of to push back against your pushback, Aiden, the way that he's evolved and developed, Chris Paul gets some credit for that because Aiden was not this good even two months ago. Of course. Of course. But Aiden, but he is now and he's going to be able to execute all of this like he's learned basket like. Part of the value of Chris Paul is that you are imparting knowledge and wisdom. And basketball is so scenario-based where it's like, hey, when this guy does this, you're going to roll this way. You may uh, make a banana cut, right? Rather than rolling right to the rim, you're going to loop around to extend the passing window. And there are just thousands of those scenarios. And Chris Paul has been in all of them thousands, tens of thousands of time times. And so those types of players can impart wisdom on the court. But once DeAndre Ayton has it, like he's that dude now, right? Like he, he, he knows those things and he will continue to learn, but it's the execution of that more. And that's, that's why like the n- degree of credit that Chris Paul gets for the Suns 
creeps past a point where I'm like, yeah, like you're not wrong, but the, there are dudes hooping on the court that they deserve that credit, even if Chris Paul is a big part of the reason why they're at that point. Yeah, we're splitting hairs with that, Darius, because he's still he's still there, you know. So he's and he's still getting credit, yeah. I guess, for me, Pete. The credit from from Pete has stopped to some to some extent. And it it, it I, goes and, to a certain point. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I'm still I'm still giving him credit for it. Yeah, I was just going to say it's the it's the give a man to fish versus teach a man to fish, right? And I love that. and I think that even if you teach a man to fish, you can still go fishing with him, which I think is kind of what Chris Paul is doing. Right. And so as long as Chris Paul's around, he's going to continue, I think, to translate some of the stuff that a guy is seeing on the well on the floor. A, a thing about Aiton to me, um, and I'll kick it back to you right now, Mike, but a thing that I've noticed with Aiton is that he may actually be a player who benefits more within the playoffs because his asks are relatively simple and narrow. And he's showing the ability to expand some of these things, right? Like he's shooting now 15, 18 foot jumpers. They're running more pick and pop stuff. This is all stuff he was not doing in the Lakers series even, but it's because he has shown the ability to sort of say like, Oh, go to the re like go to the glass offensive rebounds, score inside off, off of dump offs. That's easy for me. Right. And he's doing that stuff so well that they're asking him to do a little bit more and a little bit more. And they're sort of spoon fee feeding him um, expansions on his role. And he is showing to be able to do that stuff. And in the course of a playoff series where you play the same team over and over and over again, I think that he's showing that he can digest a single game plan with additions Rather than like, oh, it's game plan this against this team one night and then now we're going to do something different against this other team the next night because playing the Houston Rockets on Tuesday is totally different than playing the 76ers on Thursday. It's totally fair. And I think there are a couple things with Aiden. One, in the regular season, you're right, Darius, he hadn't yet figured out how to optimize his skill set and whether that's him or whether that's Monty Williams or Chris Paul, all the stuff that we just talked about, but he was doing a little bit, something different every night. He was taking too many jump shots. He wasn't in this sort of, if I do this really well for, and he wasn't playing, you know, 39 minutes either, but if I do this really well, then this is going to give my team the best chance to win. He was kind of just figuring it out on the fly. And some nights he was really good. Some nights he was bad and he's developed a certain amount of consistency and I think success breeds success, certainly to an extent. But the part of it that I wanted to hear, you know what, I'll save this thought. So, Pete, you react to that. And what I want to get back to, though, is kind of how he looked against AD and how AD in the future would match up there, how much you need a different type of center now, if we're going to assume that Aiton's going to stay at this level or keep getting better, and Phoenix becomes a little bit more of a problem in the future, maybe, um, even than they look. So that's that's one discussion, Pete, but I don't want to jump on your point you were going to make off of Darius. Yeah, so I think the future matchups with the Suns are particularly interesting, right, with respect to the Lakers. And I think that we can get more in-depth on that down the line. I want to see Phoenix play somebody that has their two best dudes. You know, like even all of the praise and nine in a row in the playoffs ain't easy. It's and they rightfully deserve it. They've gotten the job done. They were within inches of losing that game, though, and caught a little bit of luck down the stretch to be able to to get to that point. 
that said, the, down the stretch of that game, for other reasons, was brutal. And let's take a quick break. and we come back, I've got some complaining to do about, about the NBA. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So I hope everyone knows this comes from a place of love, from somebody, you know, I have loved the NBA my entire life, and I still do. The last minute and 30 seconds of that game took 33 minutes in real time. And I've found myself over the last couple of years in particular becoming increasingly annoyed with how the game is officiated. I don't want to get into too much about whether this call was correct in that game to, you know, Phoenix and Clippers or or that call. It's not about that. The common thread in how the game is officiated in ways that bother me is the difference between the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. And no play exemplifies that more than the play where Patrick Beverly reached in, knocked the ball out of uh, Devin Booker's hands as he was dribbling, and the ball went out of bounds. Now, on replay, that is... That became the Clippers ball. And rightfully so. Devin Booker was the one person who touched it last. The thing is, though, Darius, I always think of a tweet that you had last Christmas in last season, right? When we played the Clippers on Christmas Day 2019. Remember the last play of that? We choked down the stretch of a fourth quarter. Last play of that, LeBron was going up for a three. And Patrick Beverly reaches in and strips him down low. 
and the ball goes out of bounds. And on replay, the ball gets awarded to the Clippers because LeBron did, in fact, touch the ball last. But the thing is, and you pointed this out in that tweet, is if you slow it down frame by frame, that particular play, it's going off of the offensive player last 95% of the time. Very rarely does a defender reach in and follow through to the point where their hand has maintained contact all the way through. And this is one of those calls where if you're going to call that frame by frame in the last couple of minutes, that needs to be the call the rest of the game as well. If you're going to go that route, maybe that makes deflections, you know, that makes deflections more valuable, right? It's because you know that maybe you get the ball as a result of that. But that play, and again, that's it was off of Devin Booker last, but there's an over-officiousness. I don't even know if that's the right right term. There's a there's such a focus on the the letter of the law in how the rules are applied that I think it encourages the I'm going to jump at this weird angle to draw a foul. There's so much like, well, technically that is a rule violation that the way the league is officiated is so geared toward, well, technically that I think they need to recalibrate back toward the spirit of you knock the ball out of this guy's hands and the ball goes out of bounds. I, I don't know. Again, it wasn't off of him last. So I don't know. Where do you stand on this, Mike? Well, so Pete, you hit on it already. It's the spirit of the game versus what technically is correct. And that's the whole problem with replay is that once you bring a replay in, you can't have a spirit of the game call. And my background on this is as a soccer referee. And the same thing has happened where soccer is now being ruined with VAR. And the whole Mm. point of the official is to keep the spirit of the game flowing and also the entertainment of the game flowing. Yes, but the, and but flowing the, is a perfect word. Flowing. But the officials don't think that now because they're being scored and they're being analyzed and every single call is being analyzed. So right. what they are, they feel like they have to do is just make the technically correct call at mm-hmm. the expense of basketball, at the expense of the game that we all love because they're doing their job and not thinking about it in the, it's like why I used to complain about the Spurs sitting guys and the Spurs only care about the Spurs. You're in the league. You got to care about the league too. You know, Phil Jackson and Kobe Bryant, they cared about the league that like they were going to put, they they were going to push that way. And it's also why I've for years had problems with a certain type of, of player trying to trick the official as opposed to trying to trick the defender into following him. And this Mm. is the difference between Kobe and James Harden or Lou Williams or Chris Paul or Blake Griffin, right, to an extent. Like, I could keep naming some guys. Um, Trey Young now, he's gotten a little bit into this. Thankfully, he hasn't done it as much in the playoffs. But, like, we, I, I was just praising Chris Paul earlier. Let me now go the other way. And by trying to take advantage, and by the way, this is Patrick Beverly and, and Paul George last night in the final minute, trying to take every little inch in advantage of the rules and what the officials are going to call instead of just trying to make the basketball play. What the great refs do is they say, no, 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 Darius, you're not, you're not, I'm not giving you that one today. I know it's technically a foul, uh, like the way that you're, or or not even technically foul. I know that the call can go a certain way in the given context, but you're not getting that. This is the playoffs. Okay. This is the final minute of the playoffs. We're not doing it like that. And by Patrick Beverly's little making the officials by twirling his finger thing. So no, what, what that should, that was a clear, nope, you knocked it off inbound the ball. Let's play. That's what should happen. Instead, blow the whistle, four minutes. We all know they're going to reverse the call, and the ball goes to the wrong team. And, yes, it was, uh, it, it was, it was frustrating, as you could tell by my tone. Preach it, Mike. Preach it.
I mean, look, guys, <laughs> you're not going to see me disagree about any of this stuff. Um, I actually think over the last three to five years, officiating has gotten worse in general. Um, I think a lot of it is because of the things that you guys mentioned. I also think that we've seen a fairly high turnover and influx of like newer referees who are <laughs> sort of building up their knowledge base of of the league, of the players, getting a familiarity with this. I don't want to say with the speed of the game because it makes it sound like they came up refing little league, right? Or nothing's like like under twelve, right? Yeah, but it is sort of an an adjustment, and there is a respect factor that I think some of the older referees have with players that allow them to sort of push back on guys a certain way, and. I could go on rants about refereeing like the other side of this, though, is too is like you just have to play as the player like you just have to play and you just sort of have to adjust. And that's why one of the things that one of my one of my big frustrations about refereeing is when there's an inconsistency over the course of the game about how something is being called. Right. And at least in the at least in the sense of a single game, I want the same things called for both sides the entire game, right? And if it's different than next night with a different set of referees, That's I fine. will adjust on that night, mm-hmm. right? That's a whole nother argument to, to, to be made. To me, there should be consistency night to night to night, crew to crew to crew, and players should be able to have a feel of what is or isn't a foul and all of that, right? So that's a whole nother can of worms. But... The thing that bothers me most about the replay stuff is that it's the exact point that you guys made, but it's not a point that I hear being hammered enough in that it is that 95% of the time the ball is off of the guy who was contr- who was handling the ball. But that call only changes under the scrutiny of right. replay. Right. And so that discrepancy in how a game is a a outcome, that is that is what bothers me the most about the process. Right. I like I I want the call to be right. I also want the call to be consistently right. And so and I think there has to be a choice that's made either it's consistently right by the letter of the law. Or it's consistently right based off of the spirit of the law. But negotiating that based off of an arbitrary time period of the last two minutes of a game or of a half or because of or because a coach was able to challenge a play. Right. That to me, you're going in a direction that makes it harder for a fan to know what's what. And it just encourages frustration. The letter of the law or, well, technically, that's never fun. That's never entertaining, right? But basketball is so competitive that places where you can earn competitive advantage is gold. Like we have, you know, the league and fans around the league have complained about Harden for years. But you know what players did? They looked at him and be like, shit, I can hook my arm under this guy too off of the ball. I know we're in the bonus. I'm going to do this. I'm going to stop real quick and let this guy run up my back and draw two fouls as a result of that. But that's because, Mike, you made the exact point about how the way the 
officials are graded on such technicalities, if you're encouraging the officials toward letter of the law, the officials will in turn encourage the players toward the letter of the law. And then you get a a lot of these, well, technically, you're not really making a basketball play. You're trying to game. You're you're trying to run game on the game, really. And what happened in what happened in Phoenix Clippers game two, I thought it all devolved when Beverly went down with the the very slight contact from Booker, on the Mm -hmm. which is what happens. It just happens in basketball. Sometimes a limb goes here, limb goes, limb goes. You don't have to call that a foul. It doesn't have to be a foul. And once, so once they went in, but the reason why they had to review it is because Beverly writhed on the ground in pain and acted for about two minutes, right? When he got, he got a little poke in the eye. This is the dude who busted Booker's nose earlier in the game with an actual headbutt. And now he's on the ground writhing around in pain. So they call that and we, and I, the second, so that was, first of all, if that, if that either just was a no call, the Suns are still up three and they have the ball and we'll and who knows, we might not even get into a possession by possession thing. But then on the next play, Paul George, knowing that now, okay, this is going to be a little bit more of a tight whistle because we just saw it. He hooks Booker. And I don't know if it was a, like it to me, it was a no call. I wouldn't have called a foul on George. I wouldn't have called a foul on Booker, but it definitely wasn't a call. So instead that gets called. He goes to the free throw line. He hits two free throws. Suns go down. They miss. George comes down in transition, gets the layup. Uh, we we know what happens from there until they have the the eventual. Then the Beverly play happens. And since they just called those last two plays tightly, they're going to go ahead and call that tightly. So I and I'm not just again. This is not to me about the referees so much. It's about the interpretation that is given from the league to the referees. And we just saw some good news on this front the other day about how they're not they're going to try to legislate out of the league the jumping into players which mm-hmm. which has bothered us and I, I think anybody that likes the pure basketball game all year um the up fake and then the dive into and so that's one thing but the next thing that now has to go is this is it's much more complicated to get out of the league because the whole replay element and the review process and the challenge now it's become ingrained and that is going to lead to what happened last night happening again I am just thankful that we had a ball don't lie situation where uh-huh. the basketball gods intervened and they they said, Paul George is at the free throw line. Nah, that's not going <laughs> in. It, the, the rim could have been kind to him. You know, it uh-huh. could have bounced in. The basketball gods are just. And the yes, basketball they are just. Gods, and then the Aiton thing, uh, wh- you know, I was texting you guys because I had forgotten. I, I thought that – so I was actually doing a green room um, on Spotify live during it. So I was talking to our boy Aaron Larsoul was on it. Um, in Ben Golliver, and we were like, wait a second, it can't be basket basket interference on an inbounds pass because you can't score on an inbounds pass, right? And then we were it's like, not oh, a shot, no matter what. And no. we were like, wait, no, I, because because it looked if we had the sound off, and on the broadcast, all the Clippers are like, you know, waving it off, and I'm like, well, oh, well, they must know the rule. Maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe. And then I texted you guys, and Darius was like, nah, man, like Darius knew the rule. He remembered the Tyson Chandler tip in, so. I don't mm-hmm. know how much of that's – that's not really basketball gods, but I it, the right result happened for all of the antics late is my is my long-winded point there. Um, and that let me sleep at night after some frustration boiling. And we could have gotten that same outcome of the Phoenix win in like 20 fewer real-time minutes. That's the element of Darius every damn play in the last minute of the half uh, – in the last minute and a half of that game was – 
replayed and each replay took several minutes again it took 33 real-time minutes to play a minute and 30 seconds of basketball basketball is such a sport based on flow and look the last two minutes of a close game always take a little bit longer because of timeouts and because of adjustments and things like that but watching scott foster stand with the basketball under his arm at the scorer's table over and over and over again these replays cannot take this long what i would love to see give these dudes a 24 second shot clock to get this call right i don't know about about you guys or people watching at home but when it comes to like the ball went off this guy last or not you know in the first 10 seconds in the first two replays of that play who it went off of it shouldn't take yeah. this long to, I, I to be prefer- able to do all like the entertainment component is just it's brutal on that in my perfect world i wouldn't review it at all I, I just wouldn't review it. I, I like it's not it's not yeah. worth it, and you're not getting the call right 100 percent of the time to review it anyway, especially in block call, uh, charge mm-hmm. situations. So I would get I would be done with it. I know that for what for some reason everybody tells me it can't happen. Now that we have replay, we have to use it. Um, I, again, it's ruining soccer. Guys can't even celebrate goals in the freaking European Ugh. Championships or the World Cup because they have to look over and and now even if the linesman doesn't call it. Then the ref might get a little buzz in his ear a minute later. He might stop the game, then go to replay, uh, and you still don't know if you're a goal scorer. Can I celebrate if I'm a fan? It's brutal. It's killing me. I'm of, like, multiple minds when it comes to this stuff. I actually just don't have a good solution. Every time I think I have a good solution, I think, oh, well, the unintended consequences of that. And I think that's what we're seeing right now even with – replays in general right i think that everyone thought let's get the call right and that's a noble goal to pursue right it is but now the unintended consequences of that is it's a half an hour for 90 (sighs) seconds of of game action it doesn't have to be though man like you can get the call right in less than five minutes you know i reject the premise of getting the call you can't always get it's a subjective call there isn't necessarily always a right. So if you bring every single call into a, you know, you may think it's a foul, Pete, I may not. Which one of us is mm-hmm. right? Well, what's the rule say? Well, the rule says you can't touch a player. Okay, but what's the way you were letting the game be called up to that point? You know, like there's right. it's there's too much subject. That's the whole point of just having it go on the officials to make a call and then you move on. We all act like adults. It, it's not always perfect. Life isn't always perfect. Neither is sports. Neither is replay. Like, let's just play. Let the referees do their jobs and do their best and not bitch about it. But is that going to happen? No. So we'll keep bitching. What I wish, what I wish is that the refs would be, at least in these instances, the refs would be more discerning and not allow the players to just sort of bully them in to replaying something when, when they've made a call. Right. And look, LeBron does this a lot the last two minutes. Right. And LeBron is in your face and he's like, that needs to be reviewed. And the ref is sort of just like, uh, all right, let's review it. Right. (laughs) And and look, if that works out in the Lakers favor, I'm likely going to be happy that LeBron sort of used whatever leverage he has in order to get a call to go his way that benefits the team that I root for. And that's where my Laker fandom is like, okay, 
I want the Lakers to win. But as an NBA fan, the stuff that Beverly was doing and even the stuff that LeBron will do or AD or name any player, right? When they sort of just get in the ref's ear enough and it's like, nope, 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 review it, review it. We're in the last two minutes. You get your chance now to go make this call, the right call. And the ref sort of like take the bait. It's like they're snapping at, it's like they're snapping at the fishing line every single time. Like, oh, here's my chance. And instead, on that play, Mike, the one where Beverly knocked the ball out, I thought your description of that earlier was right on. The ref is right there. He's standing right at the sideline. He sees Beverly hit the ball. The ball goes out of bounds. 99.9% of the time, they're going to call that and just say, look, that's the Suns ball. It's what it is. It's like that's the league that we grew up in, too. That is just like, oh, right. well, that's clearly a makeup call from the last call that got missed. And those are the things that you live with. It's like we're sports fans. Right. You said this in our text thread. What happens if you're at the park there? Just, I was not, just going to say that. It's not even maybe Pete said. It's not even a discussion. It's just you hit it out. You hit, you hit the ball out of bounds. Like that's the spirit of the game thing. Come on. If you if you slap the ball down on a dude when he drives to the rim and it hits his knee, like that's that's a different thing. That's a, that's not this. Case, that's not this kid. That's basically a block shot. You know, like, like mm-hmm. come on. So the idea of how would this look at the park or in a pickup game, that is exactly what I think the the league needs to gear itself more toward, right, is how would this be called in a pickup game? And I know this is professional basketball. It's the highest level of basketball. But that is the spirit of basketball. That is the game that we all grew up playing, that we all grew up watching even. And it's tilted so far. And maybe this is just – Maybe this pot is just three old men complaining about things changing in ways that we don't like. But I think there's a beauty in the game and there's an entertainment in the game that's being missed as a result of being so letter of the law that if we go back to the how would this be called at the park type of spirit, we'd all be in a, in a much better place. Uh, anyway, this was it was a lot of fun complaining and commiserating with you guys about this. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. We're going to. Uh, we're going to do a mailbag pod. So if you got any questions, hit me up on Twitter uh, at Laker Film Room, and we'll submit that. I'll, I'll tweet out a call for these questions as well. Um, but until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Listen. Brian, unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Brian. Yes. 
Coming up with a little talk to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com